Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Uh, with that, New Abbey, we are going to send you into breakout groups, an incredible opportunity for you to connect or to meet somebody else uh, within the life of our community. And you can click on the chat conversation button. Why do I forget it every week? Conversation time. I literally designed this thing. How do I not know what it is? Conversation time button or the Zoom link that they're going to provide for you. And we are going to answer this question with one another. What invitation are you waiting on? What invitation are you waiting on? Enjoy. That's a clip from the Count of Monte Cristo, sorry, I'm Jim Caviezel, also known as Jesus, uh, if you've never seen any of his work before. Uh, at that scene in the Count of Monte Cristo, what's coming together is that the Count is making his grand debut, and there's an invitation to all of the other nobles in Paris to come see who he is and to be a part of the party. And everyone wants to have an invitation from this Count. It's the big event of the year. And my big idea of where we're going today is that we're all waiting for an invitation, that we're waiting for an invitation so that we can move forward in our lives. And what I believe about the scriptures, what I believe about this faith tradition that we call Christianity is that God is constantly inviting us. God is constantly inviting us into our own lives to go live them to the fullest. God is constantly inviting us into our own lives that we may actually enjoy the gift of life that we've been given. And so for us to talk a little bit more about God inviting us into some things, we gotta talk about some things. First, we're gonna talk about making sense of an ancient text because, you know, the Bible's tough sometimes. Then if we can do that, then we can talk about an invitation to yes or no. And if we can be clear on the fact that we just have yeses or nos, then we can talk about what God's inviting you into to create your life or to react to it. If we can talk about creating your life, then we can talk about the power of reclaiming your time. If we can talk about what it means to reclaim your time, then we can move into some of the deeper things that we all long for in this world to have relationships. If we can think about the power of the relationships that we have, then we can actually take some risks in this world. And if we can take some risks, then we can think about the power to change the world instead of just being angry at it. We're in this series in Genesis, and I have no idea how long we're going to be here, so buckle up. 2023, we're going to wrap this book up. And the power of the Genesis story is that it's the story. It's a narrative that has so many different layers to it. What I love about the Bible and stories like Genesis is that they're raw. They're not cleaned up. They're incredibly messy. They're filled with all kinds of twists and turns and people figuring it out and longing to find their own humanity, longing to connect with the divine, people who make mistakes and who fail. And so much of the way the Bible was presented to me as a kid was that we always cleaned up all of the stories because somehow we were scared that if the stories weren't cleaned up, then somehow it would be a reflection of God. But what is a more interesting story of God? A God who is perfect and something that we cannot relate to, or a God who always comes down and meets us in the mess of our lives, a God who works through things with us, 
who is not scared of our pains and our problems and our complexities, but a God who is always evolving and growing and figuring out life with us. That's a more interesting God to me. Not some absolute concept that I can't connect with, but a God who meets me, meets us, meets you in the midst of what it means to be human. And so we are in the book of Genesis, and we've started somewhere in the middle of the story, and we're in the story of Abram and Sarai, we eventually become Abraham and Sarah, and we're looking at their life. So follow along with me in Genesis chapter 11. It goes like this. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Genealogies, you are excited already. Whose life verse is this, right? It's a good one, it's powerful. In the ancient world, we don't understand a lot about genealogies, but for the Bible, they're incredibly important because they're like the glue that connects the entire story together. In the book of Genesis, what's going on here with this story is that it's saying, hey, for the people of God, we're all a part of the same narrative. All of these people are our lineage, all the way back to Adam, all the way up to Abraham, all the way connecting to Jesus, that we're all a part of the same family, that nobody is missing out in this story. And so it's an invitation to participate within it. The Bible also gives us some details that are in here that we may not otherwise notice. I know that everybody was said, oh man, Ur of the Chaldeans. I've been waiting for somebody to talk about that. Ur of the Chaldeans is this incredibly important part that's going on in this story because what it's telling us is that this story has multiple layers to it. It's not just a story about Abraham. It's not just a story that was written thousands and thousands of years ago and there's this chronological timeline of events. What's actually going on is it's cueing us into some things. This is a story about Abraham, but it's a story about an oral tradition, these stories that were passed around the campfire for millennia, for centuries. And then eventually the people of God found themselves in captivity and they found themselves in Babylon, which is Ur. So there's these multiple points in the story where the people of God are looking back on their history and they are retelling stories to provide themselves hope to move forward. And so they share these details of Abraham being in Ur because what they're saying is Abraham was in Babylon. Abraham was not in the promised land. And then God moves Abraham and Sarah and their family over to the promised land. It's like you telling yourself a story as you reinterpret your past and you, and you say to yourself, look, God has been with me there, so now I can have a better understanding that God will be with us into the future. So there's multiple layers here. There's the story of Abraham, which is really about a bigger story of the people of Israel who were figuring out their relationship to God when everything had been taken from them, when they no longer lived in the promised land and now they were sorting out life together. And then it's an invitation for all the people of God, for all of humanity of saying, you are a part of this story as well. And there are times that you live in exile or captivity or figuring it out, but God is always taking you somewhere else. All that from a genealogy, I know. 
So Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Whew, come on, somebody. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children, foreshadowing of what's to come. This is not just a story about Abraham, right? And the fact that his wife was barren, which means that they cannot pass on eternal life, which is what eternal life meant in Jewish culture. Your capacity to have kids and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, you're passing on the gift of life. So this is saying that they can't partake in that. This is Israel also reading the story in Babylon, in captivity, have given up hope. And when you've given up hope, when you're in places of difficulty, you think to yourself, I'm barren, I'm wounded. There's no life that's gonna come out of me. But you need these stories because you've been in those places and life did come. Life was created. So this is a hopeful moment that's being offered to all of us. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together as they set out from Ur to the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. The people of God will get to the promised land. The people of God, us, that God has a promised land ahead for us. We may be in Babylon, but eventually God has something coming. And this is where the story is about to get Pretty fun. But when they came to Haran, they settled there and Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. And then here's the magic in chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram. As I was reflecting on this this week, I realized this. God spoke to somebody. The divine showed up in somebody's life and invited them into something. It was an invitation into the grand event and the grand event was their own life. And that should blow your mind. What this story is saying is God wants to speak to human beings. God wants to show up in our lives and invite us into something. That should blow your mind. And the power of this story is that Abram has a chance to respond. That when we're still enough, have the ability to see or hear the invitations that God has for us, what will our answers be? And God says to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. It's like saying this, go take a giant risk. Leave everything that you know, because I know that you've been longing to live a different kind of life, but you have that job, or there's that relationship, or you're saving for your 401k, and you're terrified, but you know what? You destroyed that spreadsheet, and you went to New Orleans anyways. You were filled with fear, but instead you made a choice to go step out. And then it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. This is why God is inviting us into something. God is inviting us into our own lives and what God is saying for Abram, for the people of Israel who are in captivity is, you can still be a blessing. Even when you think you don't have anything else to give, even when you're in captivity, even if you're in exile, even if you don't think that you're that special, God is offering to all people, what if I want to bless the world through you? What if your story is so unique that other human beings need it? What if we're all influencers, baby? Right? This is what God is inviting us into, that we all have a little bit of magic to give back to the world. And I love this part in verse four. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram made a choice to say yes to the invitation that God gave. And 
I know that we all come from a lot of different places, that we've had the church tell us a lot of different things, that some of you have come from environments where the church was abusive or oppressive, or people have said big, grandiose things about God, that if you just pray that God will somehow give it to you, just name it and claim it or receive it and believe it, and that's not what I'm saying. God is not a genie. God is not Santa Claus. If you pray hard enough in osmosis, God is not gonna give you the numbers to the super lotto. Although if God does, please remember me. And so what God is inviting us into is not some magic out there that we see God sprinkles pixie dust over. God is inviting us into our own lives and we have an opportunity to respond, yes. We have an opportunity to go do something with who we are and the unique things that God has for us. And so Abram took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So this story is not only about the story of Abraham, that Abraham took a risk, that Abraham responded to an invitation that God had. This story is also for Israel, hundreds and hundreds of years later who are stuck in Babylon, and they believe that the promises of God have been taken from them. And as they write these stories down, they're reminded of the fact that one day we will arrive back into our promised land. That even though we think that we've hit rock bottom, even though we think that there's no future for us, even though we believe that we're barren, even though we don't have any hope, what we're reminded in our stories and our tradition is that God will indeed get us there. God will indeed take us on the journey of the lives that we want, that we don't have to be hopeless, that we don't have to live in fear, that God has more for us in these things, that God is giving us an invitation. And in any invitation that you might be given, you have an opportunity to say yes or no, because there are no maybes. Maybes always live in the land of no. In your life, every single moment, you simply have the opportunity to say yes or no to something to say yes to move forward and no to not. And both are incredibly powerful. There's a lot of things that people in 2021 should say no to because our lives are incredibly busy. They're incredibly filled from the moment we get, wake up to the moment that we fall asleep, we are inundated with information. And there are times that our no is just as powerful as our yes but we don't have maybes. We waste our time by thinking maybe I'll get to this. Maybe is just delaying the very life that you have for you. Yes or no are the options that we are given. And so in this story, God is inviting you into a yes or no. And I just wanna play a game. Imagine today the divine spoke to you. Imagine in these next few moments, God of the universe speaks to you. Is that even a possibility in your mind? that the God of the universe would have something to say to you, that God wants the best life for you, that God wants to be in it with you in your captivity, in your exile, in your pain, in your wounds, that this God wants to journey with you in your blessings, in your goodness, in your kindness, and all of the wonder that is held in this universe, that from the good, the bad, or the ugly, that this God is with you along the way is what this story invites us into. And it's saying that God invites us into some things. So maybe in these next few moments, we could believe that, that God is inviting you, that God is inviting you to create your life, just like God invited Abraham to create his life. That the story all the way back to the very beginning of scripture in Genesis 1 is that our God is a creator and that this creator invites us to co-create with her. 
How powerful is that? That this God is just not idly standing by out in the universe, that this God is constantly showing up and inviting us to create in our own lives. Going back to everybody's favorite part, Ur of the Chaldeans, I know you were waiting for me to go back there. The story of Babylon is important. That Just a little bit earlier in Genesis 11, we hear the story of Babel. And the story of Babel is all about the Babylonians. Babylonians, ba- you get it. Not, it's not that They're not like playing mind games with you on that one. It's kind of right in front of you. That they're telling the story that in the ancient world, this is what people did. They built giant towers or temples or monoliths to somehow reach the gods. That if they could just get a little bit higher, somewhere the divine will be there. But notice as we move into our story, that Abram doesn't build some tower to get to God because God came down to Abram. That this creator who is inviting you to create in your life came to you. That this creator is not asking you to go on some journey where you have to go find God and do all of the things right. And hopefully, you know, you don't like touch a boob or have sex before marriage or whatever the things that we're told. Instead, what this God is saying is I'm always coming to you. And this isn't just a story about Abram. This is also a story about the people of Israel when they were in Babylon. How much did they need to hear those words that even though that everything had been stripped from them, their land, their temple, their faith system, their sociological framework, that this God shows up and still invites them into something else. Could you believe that God is inviting you to create your own life this morning? That creating is something that you get to choose every day to say yes or no to in every single moment. The opposite of creation is reaction. But we are not made in the image of a reactor. We are made in the image of a creator. A creator who creates all of the universe and invites you to create your world as well. Because nobody else will create it for you. Only you can respond to this invitation in every single moment and say, I'm gonna choose to create today. I'm gonna choose to live into this present moment. I'm gonna choose to live into this present moment so that I can live out a different reality of the future that I actually wanna live. When we live in reaction, reaction is the very thing that keeps us from creating. It is the nemesis, it is the enemy of creation. And you've probably been there. When you're in a season of your life, when we live in victimhood, when we live just living in the past and complaining about everything back there, it's really difficult to create, to move forward. The narratives that we're telling ourselves is that we should have done this, they should have done this, we ought to, we, we, we haven't, I'm not good enough. We've all been filled with those narratives. I don't say that out of shame, I say that of, of course you've had those thoughts, you're a human being. And because of that, we have this Abram story where God shows up and says, You can live your life back there in Ur of the Chaldeans, or you can move forward into another world where you get to make your future for you, Abram, Israel, whoever you are listening and participating in this. That it's a bigger story about an invitation that God is taking us somewhere. And every moment that God is inviting us, we can either choose to create the lives that we have or to react to it. We don't have to respond. But if we choose to respond, what might happen in our lives? That if we can be participants in co-creation with God, just like Abram was invited into, then I believe that God is also inviting us to reclaim our time. In the ancient world, they saw time as a big circle or a big wheel. In this big circle and this big wheel, they saw it that way because things never changed just like the seasons never changed. That if you get through spring, eventually summer will come. And if you get through summer, then fall and into winter. And this is the way that they saw the world. But that idea of this cyclical nature of the world and the wheel was incredibly oppressive to most human beings. 
because for the very select few who were born as kings or queens, the wheel worked quite well for them. For the vast majority of society who was servants or slaves or farmers or people who didn't have a say, the story that you were given is you're just stuck right where you are and there can be no change to your narrative. So in the ancient world, when they heard the story of Abram and Sarai and Lot, it was mind-blowingly revolutionary transformative. And the reason for that is it said this, not just kings and queens, not just the Odysseuses or the superheroes of the ancient world get interaction with God. Everybody gets an audience with the divine. That the divine, that God, the creator of the entire universe is always ready to break you out of your wheel that this God comes and speaks to you and says, you don't have to be stuck there. You can go create a future for yourself as well. You can reclaim the time that you're living in and you can choose the life that you want for you. That was revolutionary in the ancient world because in the ancient world, the gods only spoke to kings and queens. The gods only spoke to priests. The God only, gods only spoke to the Odysseuses of the world. But what about the other 99%? What about the everyday human being? Where did God speak to them? And the Abram and Sarai story breaks through that veil and says, this God has always been searching after you, Israel. This God has always been searching after you, you humanity. This God is always there for you. So we can choose to reclaim our time. We can choose to accept this invitation that God is giving to us, or we can choose to do what a lot of us are doing in the world right now. We can just choose to continue to be busy. We have a different wheel in 2021. And the wheel that we live into in 2021 is our calendars that are never ending. Our calendars that are filled for weeks ahead with 60 minute schedules, or our calendars aren't filled. And we have the wheel of social media that you will never ever stop scrolling and find the end. We have the wheel of technology. We have so many things in our current world that prevent us from actually seeing the time that we have. Those things can be a gift. They can connect us. But we do live in a world where information is constantly coming at you. But what are you giving out? And we are invited to not have to be busy anymore. We are invited to maybe slow down, to put the technology away, to hopefully as we do slow down, as we reclaim our time, the thing that we're preparing us for is that we have a God out there who's inviting us to create. If I stopped with the busyness just for a little bit, what, I'm, what might I actually hear this God saying to me as we reclaim this time? And if we can be creators with God, if we can reclaim time, then the Abraham and Sarai story also invites us into having relationships. The power, again, like I said, it's an invitation to have relationship with God. That in the ancient world, only a select few had the power to have relationship with God. And early in the stories of scripture, we see, no, this God is for everybody, male and female and non-binary. It doesn't matter who you are. This is an invitation to humanity to have relationship. But our ability to have relationship is a yes or a no. We choose to have relationship in each moment. What I love about this story is that Abram doesn't go alone, that Abram's success to be a blessing to the rest of the world is all about the people that he's surrounded with that it's Sarai's story is all about the people that she's surrounded with. Lot's story is all about the people that he's surrounded with. And isn't that true of all of us? That in every single moment, God is inviting us to have relationship. 
that God is inviting us into having deeper relationship with the people that are around us. And isn't that what we all want? That we would rather have relationship instead of having resentments. And when we choose relationship, when we choose to be present in the time that we have, when we choose to be creators in the moments that God's given us, then those relationships become very life-fulfilling. And when we don't choose to answer the invitation of relationships in our lives, most of the time what we end up doing is having resentments in our lives. We're angry at all the people or all the things that aren't giving us relationship. But in this story, it's an invitation to go with others on the journey that no one got there alone. They didn't arrive in Canaan by themselves. There was a group of people that arrived together, that there's power in relationship, that in the power of that relationship, we can go much further together than we can go alone. That God is inviting us to create our lives, that God is inviting us to reclaim the time that we are given. We only get these moments. There's no other life that you will be given. And if we can reclaim that time, then can we see clearly to have relationships in our life? And with, with and through those relationships, then I believe God is inviting us to take a risk. In this story, Abram and Sarai and Lot just could have said no. And what would the pages of scripture be filled with? How would the people of Babylon understand their life? Imagine how crazy it is that the divine shows up at your doorstep and says, I know you have all these possessions and a land that you live in and family, but just go ahead and leave that thing and go for a little travel. Let's see how it works out for you. But the truth is that within each and every one of us, I really believe this, there's been a whisper going on a long time about the things that you wanna create. There's a life that you imagine for yourself. There's a story that you're telling yourself and there are risks that you wanna take. And what this story invites us into is it's gonna be terrifying to step off of that cliff. It's gonna be terrifying to say yes to that risk. But when you say yes to that risk, know this, you're not alone. When you say yes to that risk, this God will get you to the promised land. When you say yes to that risk, know that you're gonna have a community of relationships and people who are gonna go with you. When you say yes to that risk, know that you're gonna see time in the world in a different way because now you're pursuing the thing that you wanna pursue instead of pursuing everybody else's dreams for you. And then you're gonna be saying yes to the creator, the co-creator that God's always been inviting you to be. That taking risks is terrifying. But when we don't take risks, the choice that we make is often to worry that we worry about everything else. We spend all of our time analyzing and saying no and figuring it out and being frustrated about the life that we've been given instead of taking one step forward and just saying yes to the life that we actually wanna have. And God is inviting us to take risks. And then God is inviting us to change the world. That if we can be creators, that if we can reclaim the time that we have, that if we can be invited into having deeper and more meaningful relationships, if we're willing to step out and take risks, there we begin to change the world. I love at the end of the verse that we read in Genesis 12, five, where it says that they arrived, they got there. And when they get there now, their job is to be a blessing to the world. And isn't that all of our stories? that we go from captivity or exile or the unknown or a desert somewhere far away, we go through the most difficult things in our life and it's through those stories that shape us into who we are today. It's through our very personal narratives, that's how we change the world. That's the story of Jesus. 
The story of Jesus is that you don't get Sunday without Friday, that you don't get resurrection without crucifixion, that it's through the most difficult moments of your life that those are the wounds, those are the scars that you have the rest of the world, that you show to the rest of the world because there's other human beings out there who are going through the same thing and they need to see the hope that you're living into. They need to see that you've chosen to be a creator. They need to see that you've chosen to reclaim your time. They need your relationship in their life so that they can take a risk, so that they can change the world and so that they can be a blessing to others. So this thing isn't just about you. This is not just about you responding to this invitation. It's that when you say yes, you give an opportunity for others to say yes as well. And isn't that powerful? Isn't that the life that we want to live into? When we're 95 years old, none of us are gonna say, the most important thing that I did in my life is I liked 1,200 times on Instagram. The most important thing that I did in my life is I filled my schedule from beginning to end. No, you're gonna say, I created the life that I wanted to live. I lived into each moment with the time that I was given and I did it with the people that I loved and together we took risks and together we changed the entire world. That's the invitation that God has for us, New Abbey. The invitation is the same with Jesus, that Jesus never once asks any of his followers to believe in him. Go check it out. Jesus only asks his followers to follow him, to go on the journey, to come create, to go be a part of the reclaiming of that time, to go have those relationships, to go take those risks and to go change the world. We are asked to be followers of this Jesus in this way. That's the invitation that all of us have. New Abby, what's 2021 gonna look like? Are we gonna say, what are we gonna say yes to this year? What are we gonna say no to? How are we gonna respond to all the things that God is inviting us to? You're gonna get back into those groups and answer this question with one another. What is God inviting you to? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.